This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. in the same for sure no it's definitely been weird all right so do we have any updates or i don't have any updates right now i have <laughs> i've been the same as last week just not really paying attention just kind of i've been you know just researching all these cool stories that have been coming across my my desk here and um i'm just excited for these yeah that's what i've been doing too or watching Blue face and Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get enough. I know it's really cringy, but I can't get enough. I can't either. I think I have a crush on him. Do you really? I really do. Oh man, I don't see it. I don't get what all the hype is. I really don't. I don't know. It's a new thing. Is it all the tattoos, maybe? Maybe it's the tattoos. And he's very tall. I'll give you that. He is tall. Yeah. I do like that. And the way that. Not that I condone violence at all, but he swung on somebody, and I'm like, that is like, if I've ever seen somebody punch, that is like the way you should punch somebody. Not, I'm not condoning that at all. (laughs) This is probably not the right place to talk about this, but anyway, we'll talk about true crime stuff now. Yeah. Um, oh, um, so we should mention that we are right now recording for YouTube, um, so we're not just on podcasting um, streams, um, you can go on YouTube and see what we look like in the podcast studio, and if you see this little um, decor, a, a um, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> a local artist basically made this for our studio. We just are truly honored by it. It's um, a license plate with our name on it. We just thought it was really cool. Yeah, we have the best fans. We do. We love you guys. We love you. All right. So I didn't have like a short update, but I have a whole update episode. Oh, okay. I'm interested. So I'm doing an update to episode 43, which was Janet Rash. 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 I don't know how to say people's names. <laughs> so this case I originally discussed on episode 43, and that was the homicide of Janet Rush. And today I'm going to start with a short summary of the case as it was known at the time that we did that episode for people that didn't listen to it. But if you want to hear the whole original episode, you can go back to episode 43. So Janet left for work, left work on October 11th, 1984 and was never heard from again. On October 15th, 1984, she was reported missing after no one had heard from her. 
Then on November 17th, 1984, Janet's family got the call that they had been dreading. Janet's body had been found. Two hunters had stumbled upon her body, which was located about 300 feet into the woods in the town of Buena Vista, about two miles from the intersection where her friends had last dropped her off. When her body was first located, there was hopes that an autopsy would lead to some clues, which would eventually lead to her killer. Unfortunately, due to the state of decomposition of her body, they were unable to even determine a definite cause of death at the time. Right. So everything was up in the air. But authorities did believe at the time that her cause of death was likely strangulation, and they also believed it was possible that she had been sexually assaulted, but they were unable to determine this. They determined that her body had only been there for about a week to 10 days, which would mean she would have had to have been held against her will from the date of her disappearance until she was eventually found. These are all just theories that they had at the time. And there was a lot of evidence collected from the crime scene, but they didn't let the public know at the time what the evidence was. So now, on October 11, 2022, there is an article published featuring an official case update in the wasawpilotreview.com. And this article said, in May of 2020, Dustin Kitzman was assigned the cold case. So Dustin decided to take a fresh look, not look at anybody else's theories, just look at the evidence, see what he thinks is possible that happened. I love when they do that because, okay, so I was, I just told you to watch um, Web of, Web of Murder, and it's on Hulu, and basically they were covering a case where they thought they had talked to everybody, um, but still nothing came, and there was just a lot of, so it was unresolved, Um, Mm -hmm. and Basically, the detectives that were reassigned to the case basically were like, I, I'm just going to start from day one. Like, mm-hmm. we're just going to do it all over again. And I feel like you really immerse yourself in it. Yeah. And just experience it for yourself instead yeah. of just going off of other people's notes and what other people relayed. And maybe it wasn't maybe 100% accurate what they can remember. So I think it's just the right move. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you have no idea that other officers collect evidence and do things based on what their initial theory was. Mm. And that could have been, you know, tainted by people that they knew in the area. Biases. Yeah, all their biases. Yeah. So when you can come in and take a fresh look, things can definitely change as they're going to in this story. So after reviewing all the evidence in the case, he did not believe that Janet's death was a homicide. Really? Yes. And that was pretty shocking to everyone, given all of their previous theories. But however, the evidence was strong enough that his peers, a medical examiner, and a Portage County judge all agreed that her death was an accident and not a homicide. So. He said, as I explored the evidence further and further, I really wanted to do this case right and not just push something that I believed happened. Kutzman said, I wanted the evidence to speak for itself. So on October 5th, 2022, Judge Patricia Baker ruled that the matter of death on Janet's birth certificate, death certificate, be changed from homicide to accidental. Sheriff Mike Lucas said it's the first time in his memory that a death certificate was changed in such a way. 
But having a judge rule that the death certificate be changed is the only way it can be done. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so if the coroner says, hey, this was homicide, or hey, this was suicide, a judge has to approve the changes. District Attorney Cass Cousins was also present for the hearing and told Baker that he agreed with the recommendation to change the cause of death. Janet's sisters were also present for the hearing. Both said they'd been presented with Kitzman's findings prior to court and agreed with the change. Kitzman testified that Janet's decomposing charred body was located in a wooded area about 100 yards off Highway 54. Her belongings were an additional 50 yards out in what he called a makeshift campsite. So he said he used new investigative techniques and technology that has evolved since 1984. He only had photographs of the scene that were taken almost 40 years ago, but he was still able to use those. And with some modern software, he could analyze them further than they could at the time. Mm -hmm. And then he used a 3D modeling program that he had access to to create like a basically like on CSI, how they recreate the whole scene. Right. It's pretty much what he had to do. So the diagrams that he created showed that Janet had been setting up her camp for the night at the time. And then he went further and he had the state crime lab review fibers that were on her. He sent the fibers that were collected they collected fibers at the time from 40 years ago, and they still had them. Oh, well, that's really unheard of. <laughs> right. <laughs> they did not get lost in a fire or... Right, or just thrown out. Thrown which out is very common for some reason. Eaten by rats. Right. Or, yeah. So the fiber analysis helped Kitzman believe his theory was correct. And... Also, the jeans that she was wearing were conclusively shown to be buttoned and her shirt tucked in at the time. Hmm, okay. So really not touched or no anything like that? Nope. Um, and so as they're doing the fiber analysis, they did sent the fiber analysis to an out-of-state crime lab, and they concluded that some of the fibers on her clothing were, in fact, sleeping bag material. Oh, okay, so that adds up. Yep. And then after consulting with others, he was able to see that the necklace, she had a really delicate necklace around her neck, and that was still on her neck and unbroken. And her hair was still secured up in a ponytail, which both made strangulation unlikely. There's mm. no way that you're going to be able to strangle someone and not break their necklace or have marks from the necklace in your neck. Yeah, absolutely. So photos of the scene showed an elongated burn area where investigators believed she'd been lying in her sleeping bag. Next to that, Kitzman said, was Janet's duffel bag, a flashlight, a pocket knife, a radio, a can of soda, her shoes and socks, and the likely tools of her death, a, lighter, a can of lighter fluid and a lighter. So, Rifleman would testify that Janet suffered third-degree burns on about 60% of her body. So, she had fallen asleep... And at some point, the can of lighter fluid and the lighter, um, something happened that caused them to start on fire. Right. And the sleeping bag caught on fire. Mm-hmm. And once the sleeping bag caught on fire, 
she probably stood up and began ripping and shredding the stuff off to escape the fire. Right. Yep. And that's why there was melted polyester from the sleeping bag found mixed in with the fibers from her blue jeans that were found in shreds on the ground. So she was, like, trying to wipe the clothes in the sleeping bag off of her. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So Kitsman said that this confirms the theory that she pulled the burning fabric from her body as she tried running to the road for help. That's why she was found away from her campsite. Okay. She was trying to run. Away. Get somebody to help her. Right. But you can't run when you're on fire. No, I mean, you. a lot of people do, but it's not very successful. No. But I can't imagine. That's so scary. Yeah. That is awful. Because, I mean, you're there by yourself. Nobody's there to help you. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what else can you do, really? Yeah. And her poor family just spent 40 years thinking she'd been assaulted and murdered. And wow. It was just a really tragic accident. Yeah. But I'm glad that... He put all this work into this case to find out what really happened to her and to finally give them all some closure. Right, because answers, even if it wasn't the way that everybody thought, are better than no answers or, you know, just the truth is just what everybody needs. Yeah, and I think it's better for it to be just an accident. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would never want any of my loved you know, family members or friends or anybody that I care about to go through something heinous or horrendous. So, right. All right. So that is my update. All right. Good. Good job. Thank you. Okay. So for this case, we are not going to go that far back into time. We're only going to go back a month. Oh, so on December 22nd, 2002 at eight nineteen. Um, AM Ashland County Police Department and Ashley Fire paramedics were called by a person driving on the roadway on Junction Road between Turner Road and Sanborn Avenue. They received a call in regards to a body being found. Um, unfortunately, the body, it was the body of 25-year-old Bailey Zuniga from Wapaka um, that was discovered. So, Bailey Zuniga, he was born in Wapaka, and it was on November 29th, 1997, to Juan Zuniga III and Julie Phillips. His hobbies included uh, fishing, making music, and he loved sports, mainly basketball and football. He was a huge fan of Kobe Bryant and the Vikings, and that's... Um, kind of like a cardinal sin if you're from, <laughs> you know, Wisconsin, especially born and raised. Like if you're, I know a few Vikings fans, but I mean, you, they don't really, they're not flamboyant about it. You know no. what I mean? No. <laughs> um, so Bailey was known as a kind hearted person and he was really sadly missed when people found out that he was deceased. So he leaves behind his father, like I mentioned, Juan, um, Julie, his mother, his girlfriend, Maya, his son, um, and his sisters. So finding your loved one on the side of the road dead with no answers is concerning and devastating. It's just like kind of out of the blue. Like you don't ever like never think about that happening. That's terrible. 
personally, my mind would spiral. <clears throat> and how could like my family member be found on the side of the road in the middle of winter? That's just like not something you want to go through. Right. The Ashland Police Department Police Chief Bill Hagstrom believed that the death was due to exposure from the elements not being properly dressed um, for the weather. You know, you live in Wisconsin, you dress for Wisconsin weather. Mm-hmm. He did not know where Bailey might have been headed towards because there was no retail businesses on that route. And he was found in a mostly residential area near Prentice Park. Um, So Chief Hagstrom also stated we're investigating how he ended up there, where he has been before and so on. He's not homeless or anything. He had somewhere to go, end quote. So it just didn't make much sense on why he was going, unless he was going to see somebody. Right. Other than that, it just didn't make much sense. There was no, no. convenience stores. There was no gas stations. Like, he couldn't go get a quick, like, soda or anything like that. So it was just kind of bizarre. Yeah, because that's when it was really cold, too. Yeah, exactly. Also, alcohol was also believed to be a factor. However, the investigation is still ongoing. And fortunately, kind of along the lines of what your story was, foul play was ruled out. Okay. So Chief Hagstrom stated it does sound like it was an alcohol-related event and he wasn't dressed with for the elements. He got separated from the group he was with somehow. I don't know more details than that. It doesn't look like foul play. I can say that but we will wait for an autopsy to be certain, end quote. And the preliminary autopsy actually showed no injuries. So it may have just... It was just, just like exposure? It was just exposure. Yeah, so... That's terrible. But when I first came across the story, it was just kind of like flashing on my news feed of like dead body found on the side of the road and people were reposting it and resharing it and mm-hmm. making their own posts about it. And a lot of them were convinced that something did happen to him. Yeah. Um, just because it's just so unheard of. Right. So, like I said, a lot of people's minds were spiraling. Um, the community was just uh, not knowing what to think about it. And Bailey's funeral service was held at um, Tuesday, January 3rd of this year at the Maple Crest Funeral Home. Um, so basically, I'm glad that there wasn't anything as far as foul play that happened with this case. Um, at first, it really thought, everybody yeah. really thought that it was going to go down that road. But fortunately, just living in Wisconsin, you have to be mindful that having brutal cold days is, you just need to be prepared for that and wisconsin can kill you i guess that's crazy yeah because how many times do people get drunk and like you don't notice how cold you are you're just wandering around doing random things absolutely yeah i've been one of those people too like i go downtown when i would go downtown and it would be freezing cold i would not have a jacket on i'd be wearing high heels i'd be wearing a dress and then like I mean, one foul move and I could be stranded outside for a very long time. And that's just not, that's not a good cocktail. No, it's not. Because who wants to carry your coat, though? (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's why they make so many memes about Wisconsin girls at the bars in the winter. Yeah, exactly. Like, we will go out and as if it was summertime because we want to look good. But it's just, we're dying, really. (laughs) We're dying. This is why I stay in the house until summer. (laughs) Yep. I, I totally get it. Yep. 
Well, that was a great job. I definitely thought it was going to be some kind of crazy follow play with that story, too. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not always trying to induce your anxiety. No, um, <laughs> but that was our job. This was a little bit, not that his death is anything, um, you know, it's not lighthearted at all, but this is no. um, the more lighter side of what we yeah research and what we come across and a reminder to all of you young people to wear a jacket please please i know you guys don't think it looks cool but hey they make really cute puffer jackets i know everybody's into that just throw on a puffer jacket yeah and bundle up because your little marshmallow looks cute yeah and don't get separated from your friends no that's just yeah not you good wander off when you drink when i used to drink i would just like I'd get ideas in my mind, and I would be gone. Nobody would know where I went. Yeah. I was just like, I'm done with this situation, and I'm going somewhere else by myself without it, telling anyone. Especially when there was, like, alcohol-induced fights, and yeah. you would get separated from your friends, oh, and yeah. then you, they don't, they're not checking their phone. And, yeah. I mean, that's happened multiple times um, with my friends and with me included and it's just don't don't do that if you have yeah. if you go with a group unless you're doing the buddy system just stay with the group and yeah because at least make sure one person knows where you are and where you're going so exactly you be safe be safe that's it because if somebody knew where he was they could have looked true yeah it would have been you know oh he's been gone for longer than yeah he was supposed to so yeah Yes. Well, condolences to his family. Yeah, exactly. I hope they're recovering. It's very sad. Yeah. All right, that's it for me. All right. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.